0: Hello, I'm Alex Runman with the Heads Up Podcast, and I'm here today with Sherry Altergut with the CX Edge. Sherry, thanks for joining us on the program.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about today.
0: Oh, me too. This is, this is one of my favorite topics, uh, because I also think it's one of the topics that easily get missed when, in this industry, we talk about uh, how we improve our businesses and how we improve offerings for our customers. And so, b- before we get to all that, though, I'd love to just have a quick background and, and your, your role and how you've gotten to where you are today.
1: Yeah, um, I actually started in the material handling industry over 20 years ago. Uh, When I started in the industry, I had never heard of material handling. I had never seen a forklift or conveyor or even a warehouse. Um, And I had no idea what it was. I really started it as a job just to get experience. So when I finished my degree, I could get a real job someday. And like most people who started in this industry, it stuck for me. So, I worked for a forklift equipment dealer outside of Chicago uh, for 18 years. I started as the office assistant, and when I left, I was vice president of customer experience. I left that company in October of 2019 uh, to start the CX Edge, which is essentially a marketing consulting firm focused specifically on the material handling industry. Um, I thought at the time, 2019, was the perfect time to start a business, not knowing that the world was going to implode on itself only a few months later. But like anything, I believe you kind of grow with the punches. It gave me more time to really develop the business, um, make more contacts. And four years later, um, we've run a pretty successful consulting agency.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, lots of things are amazing. Yeah. How many of us had all these plans for 2020? You know, ooh, we're going to do, yeah. Oof. Um, But so, so I'm interested. Wow. What a career. I mean, so, so you really were dedicated. You were in that company and you, you grew from, from, that's amazing. What led you down the customer experience path and how, how that is, is interrelated with this, with this material handling space?
1: So my background is sales marketing and business development. Um, That really is my love. That was my focus. And about, I mean, the term customer experience has has been around for a while, but I really think in the last 10 years, it's become more of a part of our vernacular is brought up at more meetings. And I believe one of marketing's primary responsibilities is to take complicated things and make them really easy to understand. So I kind of went out on this mission to really define for our company at the time, what is customer experience? Because unless you know what it is, you're never going to do anything about it. Unless you know how to measure it, you're never going to improve it. Unless you know where you are, you're never going to do anything to change. And to me, all of that starts with definition. Um, So I really focus a lot of time on understanding what the customer experience meant um, through interviews, through surveys, through research, because you can look up the customer experience online and you can find 10 million different things that will tell you what it is, Uh, but nothing is consistent and nothing standard. So I created for our company and, and the model that I've used in my company to me, is a standard definition of customer experience and what all the elements of that experience are so that companies can put strategies together to improve it.
0: That's awesome. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, customer experience felt like it was that that phrase was owned by B2C forever. And, and B2B, that maybe wasn't really that important of a term, but uh, it certainly is. I would love, I know it, it's, it's a more involved conversation and it means different things in, in different contexts, but what is your definition of customer experience?
1: I mean, the most simplistic definition is how people feel when they interact with your brand. And, and that's overly simplistic, and, but how do you distill that down? And for me, I think when we look at it, and the big part that people miss is that when we talk about customer experience, it's number one defining who your customers are. And so many companies look at their customers are the people that they're doing business with and is providing them the, with money. You know, that's their customers, whether you call it a client, a customer, whomever. But customers, when you really look at it, your employees are your customers. Your customers are your customers. Your vendors are your customers. Um, Everybody in the marketplace in some capacity could be your customers. The community you live in is your customers. So it's going beyond what people look at the standard definition of customers. And I think that's where you have to start. Um, When I break it down to really explain what the customer experience is, I look at four things. I look at people, product, process, and feedback. Now, those are big areas, but if you start breaking it down into tangible bites and to those areas, then you can develop a strategy to affect the whole experience. So I always start with people because I think your internal customers, the people that work for your company, are the most important of the experience. And it's not just training them to deliver an experience to your customer. It's what they have to go through to put in time off, how they do expense reports, how the company has created an experience for them internally, how they feel about their coworkers. All of that is part of the customer experience. When you get in the product side, that to me would be more of the traditional marketing that people are more familiar with so how you communicate online how people find you what your messaging is like what your brand feels like all of those traditional, traditional marketing elements process kind of goes back to how people are dealing with their company is it easy to pay invoices, I've worked with companies that it's not easy to pay invoices. Um, Is it easy to get a hold of somebody? I've called many companies where I call and I just get a recording every time and have to wait for somebody to call me back. Is it easy to find information? Is it easy for people to submit information? Do you have, you know, I worked, my last company I worked at, I started recording all of the systems I used in a day. I used over 20 different systems in a day, meaning I had to log into different systems. That made my job more complicated and gave me less time to focus on the things that I needed to do to improve the company itself. Um, so when we look at processes, to me, that's such an integral part of the business, especially in material handling. I think historically there's a lot of companies in this space that started off. It's kind of smaller mom-and-pop companies and through acquisition have really grown and exploded, but a lot of their processes are those of a very small kind of one-branch company. Feedback to me is one of the most vitally important components of it. Um, getting feedback, and it's not just through employee surveys and customer surveys. Um, there's other ways to get feedback, because a lot of the times those are giving you such a small subset of data. Um, but having a really good feedback approach allows you to continue to improve. So in a nutshell, that's how I kind of look at customer experience is people, product, process and feedback. And then strategy is within each one of those four areas.
0: There you go. We wrap it up. It's that easy, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, some of the things that are so simple and it, that is simple when you frame it that way. I love the way you framed it. But you know it's it's really uh, incredibly hard in some of the cases, and it's a great example. You talk about the as, as as companies grow, and we've seen that in this industry, certainly in the last decade or so, the scale. You're right. It breaks processes. It, it can break people in that, that that point as well. But I want to go back and I want, I want to talk some more about that in a minute. I want to go back kind of the higher level thing. So if I'm right now, you know, many of our listeners are supply chain professionals and, and materially. Why is why is customers? Why is it important? Why is the customer experience so important or, or can be strategically important to them in their market?
1: Well, I think we all know as this industry has grown that competition is bigger than it ever has been. People are looking for, you know, it used to be there were two colors of forklifts available. Either you like the gray ones or the red ones. Um, and then some other colors came into the market. But people really had this personal preference. And a lot of times there was only one dealer near area. So whether they were a great company to deal with or not, that's the company you had to buy from. And that's everything in material handling. There were only a very few companies that were offering especially when we got into automation in the beginning very few companies that you could even buy from so the need for customer experience wasn't as great because the marketplace didn't have a lot of options of who to go to now as we know i mean the market is flooded with competition Um, For everything you do, there's 10 other companies that do the exact same thing and in most cases can get close to the same price point. You know, it's no longer you just have kind of your premium, middle market and low. You know, there's so many in between that as competition gets harder, the more imperative the customer experience becomes because that ultimately can become the decision making um, difference for clients that you're going after.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so, so including the competitive advantage or, or innovations, if you will, or as that's grown in the market, there's also lots of technology out there. And so when we look at customer experience, um, you know, whether it's AI, which is super hot right now, or, you know, you've, you've we've had robotics is out there, whatever buzzwords you want to use blockchain. Um, You still can't replace old-fashioned, you know, we care and we're trying to make better, but but what are you seeing around some of these latest technology improvements? How, How can that impact your customer experience strategy?
1: I think, you know, especially when it comes to bots and chatbots that essentially use AI. You know, we talk about AI almost as this new technology that's only been around for a handful of years. Um, and it's certainly advanced really fast in the last few years. But it's been around for a long time. And Amazon was really one of the greatest purveyors of, of using AI from a customer experience perspective. And it comes into a lot of the chat box. So I think today we know... When you type in a chat box on any website, the first few responses are automatically generated through AI. And 10 years ago, it would be frustrating and people were like, I just want to talk to somebody. I don't want to deal with this bot and then talk to somebody. But today, the bot, people are more used to it. Number one, we expect it. Whereas 10 years ago, we didn't expect it. Today, if I go to Amazon, I don't want to call somebody. I want to be able to type in the chatbot, and I want my problem fixed right away. And I don't care that it's a person or a robot. I just want it fixed. And I think as a society, we've come to accept that more, that the robots have gotten a lot smarter, that they can solve my problem much faster than a human in a lot of cases, so I think it's going back to some of that technology that's been around for a while, but it can improve the customer experience if people want fast, quick answers. Um, a lot of the technology, too, is around data and really understanding the data in your marketplace, having the right amount of in inventory for the right times of year. And you can use AI technology to help you really stock up in the correct way. Whereas, you know, before we were using, you know, we're using Excel and some sheets and a lot of it was guessing every time a salesperson turned in, you know, what they think they're going to sell for the next year. Um, you know, you took that and then divided it by like five, you know, to really come to an answer. Now there's so much technology around data that allows us to serve our customers better. I'll give you an example, even Amazon, I'll, I'll go back to Amazon, just because I think they're one of the greatest examples of really using even data as it relates to AI. You know, with all the data that they've collected, they have stocked up their distribution centers based on what historical orders are and predicting what people are going to order. My daughter, we just had our first snow here in Chicago. Um, my daughter wanted to play in the snow. I grabbed out her snowsuit from last year. Of course, it didn't fit because she grown and It was a little early, so I hadn't bought the new snowsuit yet. I went on at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, ordered a snowsuit from Amazon. It came by 4 o'clock that same day in less than four hours. Um, And it's because Amazon had predicted and stocked uh, appropriately. We can do the same thing in material handling, especially as it relates to parts for equipment that might be down. Um, and, And that's a great use of improving the experience through effectively applying technology.
0: That's great. You know, that's a great example, too, because you just went through the holistic nature of customer experience. You know, it, we meet our minds immediately go to that chatbot experience or or that order exchange experience. But the the, the idea of, of having inventory right and being able to execute that properly and have it to you is, is the other side. It just brings it all together. I love that example. So. So. All right. So let, let's look. Let's look at a little tactical for just a minute and say, OK, so I'm listening. I'm a supply chain professional. Uh, you know, I've, I've got some some responsibilities, but but what are what are challenges I'm going to run into if I'm trying to, I don't want to say change the culture, but but bring a customer experience focus into my organization for a competitive advantage? What am I going to run up against, uh, either either tactically or just you know operationally or culturally or whatever?
1: The biggest problem is ownership. You know I think that we have this idea, and I do. You know everybody owns the customer experience. Well, if everybody owns the customer experience, then essentially nobody owns the customer experience. Um, I don't believe in customer experience committees because committees typically aren't effective. Um, somebody has to own it. My belief is that it's owned under marketing. Because I think traditionally if you look at what marketing's role is, is essentially to drive revenue. Customer experience is the ultimate way to drive revenue. Um, and I, I, in my belief, marketing owns it. And then there's dotted lines responsibility, especially as it gets into some of the employee stuff, some of the process stuff, but somebody has to own it. And you know, it's the cliche of, of course leadership has to be invested in it, but leadership, you know, the president of a company can't necessarily own customer experience from a tactical day to day. Um, And the biggest conflicts I've seen is nobody owns it. They want to have, you know, part of it goes over here, part of it goes over here. and I, so I think that's one. And whether you believe it should be in marketing or some companies have created their own positions, either way is fine. As long as somebody has owns it and has the authority to execute it, you know, is the other component of it. They need to have that authority. The second component really comes down to how do you measure it? And there isn't, you know, there's software out there that will tell you how to measure it and will give you a a net promoter score. You know, those, I think, to to hang your hat on those and give yourself a pat on the back, um, I don't really believe is the most effective way. You know now you go into a gas station and I, I check out and it says, "How did this gas station do one through five stars like what did they do with that information? They did absolutely nothing with that information except they feel good about it.
0: Vanity number you know, they,
1: right right. I saw one in um I was in the airport last week, and there was one in the airport bathroom where they wanted you to press how well the bathroom was. Um, again, you know that information goes into a black hole and nobody cares so coming up with an effective way to measure that information that's not just through survey data becomes a really difficult part because every business is different. And every company I've worked with to develop a measuring mechanism has never been the same Um, because it depends on the systems you have. It, It depends on what's important to the company. There are things I believe that should be included, but sometimes that data depending on the company isn't as easy to get to. So I've worked with clients that it's been a year just to kind of create a baseline of data that then we can move forward and measure from. And I think those are the places you have to start before implementing any strategy is have an owner and develop a mechanism to measure it. With those two in place, everything becomes a lot easier to execute when you're ready to do it.
0: Man, that's so good. I mean, I, I'm I'm checking as you're talking through there. I'm, I'm checking those boxes of you know we we brought in a position. We we gave it autonomy. We gave it agency to do the things uh, that, that we could do there. But it is so hard to your point to get that. Are, are we doing? It? And we we want to have a great customer experience. And we and I believe we do. But measuring that and then using those measurements to improve. That is a, uh, that, that's devils in details by uh, by mile. Um, so let me ask you this then. So we talk about what are some of those challenges. And I know you used the Amazon example uh, for a couple things, of how they're using technology. But what's a, what's a good example where, where some a company, maybe, again, there are very many Amazons in the world, but there are lots of listeners here today that, that may have various sizes of companies and organizations. How, how, what have you seen as a successful transformation? Give some examples of what that might have looked like where someone really came in and did it right.
1: Yeah, so every time I enter an engagement, I, I've i had people say, well, how do I improve my customer experience? Um, that's an impossible question to, to answer. And I always recommend you never... You can't do the whole thing right out of the gate. You have to take it bits and pieces. Um one of the most interesting clients that I had the opportunity to work with recently had gone through had grown exponentially through a lot of acquisitions, which we see a lot especially in today's environment, which also creates a number of of challenges as you go through those acquisitions. There's a big employee challenge of the companies that you're acquiring. It's a different culture. There's different attitudes, there's different systems. There's merging those processes together. And then there's a branding identity issue that happens a lot. Um, So I think this company acquired a bunch of, uh, had acquired a bunch of companies around the United States um, and a few overseas had kept the company name in the local regions that they acquired. And they were really going through this process of, and everything was disconnected. They basically owned all these companies, but none of the processes were the same. The employees, definitely from an experience perspective, were not seeing the same thing. And customers in their marketplaces were actually confused. Like who owns this company now? Who's in charge of it? Um, So we went in and the first thing we did is establish who's in charge of this. Um, at that time they had a vice president of sales and marketing that they put in charge of this this program um, And we went through and we said just as a baseline Let's just do an employee survey <clears throat> And a customer survey just to start getting information because they had no information um, And so we did that and like I said a good employee a good employee survey should get you about 90 percent results Which that data is pretty reliable a good customer survey, you're looking at 2 to 5% of people are going to respond, wow. which is yeah. a scientific sample size, but I don't believe it's enough data to make decisions. So great. We did the employee survey. We got a lot of really great feedback. I actually went through all of the surveys, created a list of questions that maybe we wanted more information of, and then I went ahead and did focus groups with employees and it was interesting them talking with me versus them talking with this entity that they were unfamiliar with. We got a lot more information, so we were able to come up with okay, these are the things that employers are looking at that need to be improved. When it came to the customer side, a little bit more challenging. Like I said, you only get we got two to five percent return rate um, on our survey. So then I started calling customers. Um, We did roundtables with customers and then we used a lot of market research of research that's available in the marketplace that we could get a better sense of um, in general where the market was heading. Took all that information. So now we have three subsets of data. Um, We went through all of it, came up with strategies to effectively help each one of those areas, developed a branding strategy to create consistency amongst the organization Um, And now they're in the middle of executing that that branding strategy so that there's consistency among all of the locations. And our next step now, um, we're in the process of measuring it, and we're going through now all the processes the organization has. So we're looking at all of the technology they're using to execute their job, whether it's a WMS, an ERP, Um, a CRM, combining those to make it more seamless for all the employees to be able to get their work done, not have as many steps in doing it and to create a more seamless environment. Now the work in doing that is hard. You know, people don't like change. People don't like using new technologies. I get annoyed every time I have to update any one of my technologies. Um, But once we get over that, that hill, And we can tell them that we're doing this because you guys told us this is what you need. We had buy-in from them from the beginning. We shared all of the employee survey results with them um, and the roundtable discussion notes with them. And so everybody at least had access to data. I think when you start hiding what the real issues are or you're not really transparent in what the problems are, that's when people start to become suspect. And I think the more transparent you can be, whether it's good or bad, the more people trust you. And trust becomes the foundation of an employee experience. So we're still in that process. But we've seen some, we've seen that revenue after the branding um, was implemented. We saw revenue increase by almost 30% that first year after that was done. And a lot of that, I think, was creating this consistency and leveraging a bigger brand to a smaller one. Which, in this environment, a lot of people are scared to do that because they think the regional brand has so much brand awareness within that community. And I think that might have been true, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I think we live in an environment today that people have changed how they feel about small regional companies and more accepting of the larger companies because they know they can get a lot more from it. Um, so that's our most recent example, but it's been a really fun project, a really tough project, um, but those to me are the best ones.
0: Man, that that's a great story. I mean, so if, if anybody's listening or watching, however you're consuming this, and you were thinking, oh, maybe tell in the water customer experience, I mean, it's clearly it, – it's an investment, but – to this story, and I'm sure you've got a, a, a ton of them like this, the The, the impact, the outcomes are significant. Um, so that, that's great. I mean, and, and again, the holistic nature of customer experience, you talk a lot about employees. And at Mountain Leverage, I mean, I, I absolutely think that is the key. I want to I make sure all of our employees are flourishing or on the path to flourish. And I know that brings great outcomes for our customers and our culture then bleeds into that and the, the flourishment continues and shares across the, the, the way. Um, and I, I, one of the things in this industry – I think is is important it's there's employees at all kinds of different levels in supply chain, obviously, and I think when you look at the work execution on the floor, um, you know, historically, labor has been fairly cheap and fairly plentiful, and at this point and likely for the foreseeable future, it's neither. And so, I guess I would I would come back to you. How does how does customer experience and really the employee experience, which is is a, is, a, is a version of your customer experience, how how important is that, and and can you expand a little bit on what companies can do who maybe weren't always traditionally thinking, you know, oh, okay, we'll pay you a couple extra bucks on the hour a couple extra cents on the hour and it's fine it's it's a real culture change in this industry I think
1: it absolutely is and I think we've benefited um, this industry has benefited from having a historically low um, turnover rate compared to a lot of other industries Um, because a lot of them were built in small communities and those they created a sense of community at work in today's environment that's come that's become a lot more challenging and it was always it's been heading that direction but uh, certainly covid kind of changed the game a little bit when you start adding in work from home or hybrid workers because it used to be you know you're all in a space and you really saw the people face to face that you were working with every day and companies have struggled to want to go back to the old school mentality of working the nine to five um, and they have noticed they're losing a lot of the people they've hired in the last few years when they hired them under pretexts of working from home or, or hybrid work. Um, and now we're far enough out of it that companies are trying to push back a little bit Pull and back get back here, yeah. to almost, you know, 2018, 2019 views. Yeah. And so I think there's a, you, there is a way to do it. And sometimes it's a hard concept for every, uh, I You always hear the thing of, you know, that my company is like my family. In today's environment, your company really isn't your family. Your company is your company. And to me, the the real definition of customer experience is your emotional commitment to the company. My emotional commitment means that, yeah, I want to show up for my company and I want to show up for my team members and I want to be here, but they're also not my family. I still care about my husband and my daughter and my relatives more than I care about the company that I work for. Um, And we used to live in this environment where people, I mean, dedicated their whole lives to a company almost at the fault of their own family. That has been a total generational shift. And I think some of the, I'll say, older generation mentality has been trying to pull back to that. And I think it's accepting what it is today. The nature has changed. Employees want to feel that the company cares about them. But they also don't need to go, they don't want to do happy hours every week. They don't necessarily want to do Christmas parties all of the time. And not that there's anything wrong in doing that, and every company is different. Um, but it's also, you can't force people to be together if that's not the experience that they want. You know. So I think it's coming up with a new definition of what the experience is for your company and not pushing what you believe the experience should be um, for your team members
0: man I, th- I think that 's so insightful i mean the the employee mindset has certainly changed generationally. But and I firmly believe, and we've we've really tried to create this with with uh, with deliberate effort here at Mountain Leverage. I think the, the, the company mindset has to change. It's it, it's things have to be um, instead of just oh we we'll try to do things to placate you as an employer, we'll try to do things to please you as a company. It's a, it's a unit. It's a working unit, and it's a team. And and uh, I, I hear the family stuff, and we even hear it inside our company because people love working here and love each other and all that, and that's great. And you want that, um, but it, but I don't. It, it's certainly still a team. I mean, we're we're about it. You know, we're. About About an objective and working together, and I think that's that can still be great. It's just different than maybe historically uh, what what things have been. I just saw a few weeks ago you were MC of the Women in Industry Conference, and uh, what what a great honor! That's awesome. And I want to I want to dig into that a little bit because, as you know, uh, this industry predominantly male. Um, and, and i and I, I firmly believe and I'm not pandering I, I firmly believe uh, there's there's an advantage in having a diverse workforce and and certainly including our female counterparts that, that bring a lot of great value and um, I would love to just talk a little bit about that we could probably spend an entire podcast and maybe I would love to on this subject but I can't leave this one without uh-huh. at least just, just asking you some of, maybe maybe adjust some of the, just, just some comments, some things that might be interesting to folks who are either males in a leadership position or females for that matter, or females looking to grow in this industry.
1: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, it's certainly a big passion of mine. I've been hosting the, it's the Mahita Material Hand, uh, Mahita Women in Industry Conference. I think this was our seventh year um, and I've MC'd it since its inception. And, you know, this was the biggest year they ever had. We had over 200 women there. We actually, it sold out that we couldn't fit anymore in the room. Um, and I remember one of the first ones we did, it was, I think we had 30, you know, 40 people. And to see some of those same people come back, but to see them bring people has been amazing. Um, I will, in full disclosure, say that when I was first asked to host that convention i don't i wasn't overly excited about it i had grown up in a male dominated world i had very few any women co-workers that i had um were administrators there was no women management there was no women salespeople. there's no women technicians um so i did always kind of feel as island on my own and i kind of grew up in that environment of just like kind of put your big girl panties on and get it done and and don't complain and um when I first, I, did, I first did it as a favor to Liz Richard, who was the um, CEO of Mahita and um, it, it was a life-changing moment for me, that first one, because I learned, I found out that I wasn't alone, that all the things that I had gone through, so many other people there had gone through, um, and that it wasn't necessarily okay. I think I had accepted things that weren't okay. And kind of this power and numbers thing came up. Some of my best relationships in this industry came from that conference um, and still have great friendships with women I've met at that conference today. Um, so I think things have certainly changed over the last few years for the better, um, but we're certainly still not even close to where we need to be. I hear the comments a lot from, from owners of companies, male owners of companies that they've hired all of these women. But when I ask the follow-up question of how many of those women are in middle management, senior management, and executive management, those numbers change significantly. Um, And that goes with any diverse workforce. You know, management should be a representation of the diversity of the entire population of the workforce. So it's not okay just to have, you know, you can't say you have 50% women workforce, But then your management team is made up of only 2% women. You know, that isn't the definition of a diverse workforce. Um, So I think there's still a lot of work to do. But I've been so encouraged by the women that I've seen come up in this space um, and the women that have come before me that I have such a, I'm very excited about the future. And I think having more women and a more diverse work group is only going to make all of us better for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's fantastic. I'll tell you, I think we've we've done a pretty good job to our advantage of of putting women in places to lead in this company. But I do challenge myself, just like just like anything else in the industry, I I challenge what we're doing today, and as it is it. Does it need to evolve? Does it need to innovate? And that includes the, the diversity side and whatever it may be. So I appreciate that. And I, I really, uh, we, we, may want to get back together if you're willing to, to talk not more not. about that because it's, it's a challenge, but, but just like with customer experience, it's, a, it, it's an advantage. And I don't want to necessarily paint that you only do it for a competitive advantage, but it is. It's, it's, uh, it's not just, let's just, Let's do it all for a, a, the, the politically correct thing gets overblown. But it's an advantage to have uh, more thinkers and different thinkers in the room when you're trying to put a strategy together or execute or whatever it is. So I applaud you and the efforts uh, in that.
1: And I think any strategy I, and I know people hate to say it, that it's a financial benefit. But I think any good strategy is mutually beneficial um, yeah, and should be. Yeah. And and I think you're 100 percent right that you will see Uh, revenue increase by having a more diverse workforce. And a lot of that is because the clientele has become more diverse at a much faster rate than this industry has. So even a lot of the people making buying decisions are of a lot of different backgrounds, not just white men. And if our industry hasn't changed at that same rate, you could easily be losing out of business. And when it goes back to that customer experience, having all those different vantage points from the employee perspective is really important when dealing with clients
0: man that is a fantastic point i mean you got to match right it's uh you got to evolve and innovate in a match that's great hey so so now we're kind of closing out here one of the things I, i love to ask i mean i i value gratitude i think it's a superpower to a certain degree and we're in the holiday season i'd love to ask you um you know not not like it has to be the most but but for like what are you most grateful for today
1: and I agree with you, I think gratitude is such an important component of the human experience, and I do go back a lot of times to my husband for me to say four years ago that I was gonna leave a vice president job um to work in my basement and start this company from zero, and he never doubted it, and he never he said, "You know what you go for it, you do it, I got you." Um, and he has. And he's never waned on his support. He's my biggest cheerleader. And I wouldn't be able to do this really without his support. Um, so he's been able to give me the life that, that I've wanted through his support and a dedication. So I would say today, um, that's probably what I'm most grateful
0: That's awesome. I love that. That's great. Uh, Sherry Altergott from the CSX Edge or CSCX Edge. Um, You know, I love to give our guests the last word on the program. So what is it you'd like to say to the guests before we close off here today?
1: Well, first, thank you so much for having me. This has been a fantastic conversation. It's nice to be on the other side um, of a podcast sometimes. So this has been wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, And I really encourage people as we look towards 2024 to really take stock in defining what the customer experience is, an actual definition of what the customer experience is for your organization, what you want it to be, how you're going to measure it, and who's going to own it, and then those will start to give you the tools in, to be able to execute it. It's a long-term strategy, and this—you're you're never going to be wrong by starting sooner.
0: Awesome. Sherry Altergott, the CX Edge. Thank you for coming on. And listeners, thank you uh, for listening to the Heads Up Podcast. Everyone have a great uh, great week, day, month, however you got in front of you, and hope uh, business is good for you. Thanks.